One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that keeps pushing on with exploring how songs connect us to our lives as the world changes all around us, seemingly pretty much every single day these days. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Andrea Perdomo. While last week's guest, Chad Evers, gave us the longest bio yet, Andrea's is by far the, let's say, most terse. Andrea Perdomo is a radio reporter for the Southwest Florida NPR member station WGCU. That's us. She was raised in Miami, Florida, where she got her start in public media. That's the end of it right there. I was going to bust her chops a bit and press her for more, but you know, we're going to roll with it because we're going to get to know her through her songs starting right now. Hey there, Andrea. How's it going? Hey, Mike. What's up? Uh, so I'm not going to let you Kanye rant. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I'm very concerned about that. I, I, I ramble. I'm not used to being the one being asked, like, questions. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Well, and you know, and just take a breath. We're going to be fine. I know it was like when Tara was in here, she was about to explode. But by the end, this is going to be great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay um, uh, musical background of your childhood. What was the musical background of your childhood? And where was that? Um. I would say that maybe my musical background is maybe kind of split um, because when I was very little, like I was born in New Jersey, um, my mom was a nanny. So we lived um, like in the Northeast. We lived like in Pennsylvania and we lived in Delaware and we lived in all these different places. Um, and my mom would nanny for I think there was like one Korean family um, um, one was like a Hispanic family, but mostly like white American families. So um, the music when I was little was um, like smaller, like probably like my earliest memories of music are are kind of like American classics, like my mom getting me ready, like on snow days, like listening um <laughs> So what? What would you have been listening to on a snow day getting bundled up? Um, probably um, some Whitney Houston. I remember I had this um, school bus driver. I think I was like in kindergarten or first grade that he was like really into Tony Braxton. And every morning when I would get on the school bus, it was like, unbreak my heart, you know? <laughs> and my mom, I remember, I re the reason I remember is because my mom would be like, man, somebody broke that man's heart because <laughs> every morning he's listening to that. Um, so, th yeah. So, uh, but then when I was... I think I was like nine when we moved to Miami and then it just completely like switched. <laughs> um, um, that's when I was prob probably like properly introduced to like Hispanic like music. Uh -huh. um, so it was kind of like woof, like a night and day. Did you take to it? Um, you know, yeah. Mean, you, know, you could have been like, I don't know, if you hadn't been listening to it, it might have not been something that resonated with you. I think so. We moved. I remember we moved to Miami in the summer. And all of the neighbors spoke Spanish. I didn't speak a lick of Spanish. Um, and I couldn't communicate with anyone. And it was really rough. And my mom says that I had, like, an emotional breakdown. And on the other end of that, I was, like, speaking Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, that was the music that everybody was listening to. I remember that there's, like, this. Oh, my God. I can't remember who sings it. But it's, like, um, it's like a Latin funk, like, kind of, like, groove song. And it was, like, the big hit of that summer and every time I hear that song I always think about like when I was little and like being exposed to it and being like it's so loud like when I was you know smaller do you, do you remember how any of it goes oh yeah sing a little bit of it um, <laughs> um I think it's called like it was like D&G something but it was like um l hold on can I look it up on my phone just be so yes. I I'm looking it up. I have a pencil in my mouth. I'm looking it up on YouTube, so we'll race. Um, what was it called? It was like D and G. Lo que se acabó la fiesta ahora empezó. It was like it was like um, and it was like fuego, fuego. Um, hold on, let me see if I can look it up. Um, okay, so it's showing up as Robbie Rob's Boricua anthem. Oh yeah, CNC Music Factory. Oh CNC Music Factory. <laughs> I remember them. <laughs> So this would have been like late 80s, early 90s. Early 90s. Yeah. Um, and um, I remember that the Macarena was really huge at the time when I moved to Miami. Right, right. <laughs> Is that? Do you have the video of it right there? Of the song? Yeah. Okay. Just plus, press play and put it up to your your microphone. Uh, okay. We'll hear a little bit of it. <laughs> uh, of course, now it's like gone because I'm like clicking the wrong things. Was it C? CNC Music Factory. C they had that huge hit. This is probably the one you're talking about. I had I went to University of Central Florida. My freshman year was 1990. That song was huge. And there was a kid in my fraternity's freshman class or whatever that danced at the talent show to the CNC Factory <laughs> song. 
So I hope this is it. I think this is going to be it. Let me see. Yes, this is it. This is not the one that the guy danced to, but let's hear some. And sing along, too. It's <laughs> giving me so many memories. Esa nena quiere que yo, porque sabe que yo quiero, la tira en la cama y ¡guá! Hasta la mañana. <laughs> Perfect. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So, so, so that you would have been like eight or nine years old then? Yes. So that was and like my... that's when my, you started speaking Spanish. Yes. My mom <laughs> says, I mean, this is going to be like bad words or whatever, but my mom says, because our, our neighbors were Colombian, and like she says like that they always used to tease me and like, hey gringa, say this, hey gringa, say that or whatever. And my mom says that one day I was just like, leave me alone, he like oh, that's a very Colombian like you know son of a bitch or whatever you know right <laughs> uh, I'm, gonna get to, I'm gonna get to bleep my first Spanish word <laughs> uh, okay do you uh, do you remember the first music that you owned so I remember and I say this all the time this is actually a really good one that I have like clear um, um, I remember like the first like thing that I bought, a piece of music that I bought like with my own money, which is like an allowance, was um, Ace of Bass. Uh -huh. It was a cassette of Ace of Bass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it was like, I saw the sign, you know, like during that whole uh, era. I knew. I, I was like, I don't, I can't think of the name of it, but I know if she says it, I'm going to hear it in my head because that was an, an, a crazy earworm in terms of just over being played, you know. Um, did you ever play musical instruments? No. Well, I had like... I don't think I could say that I really even played it. There was like a brief stint where like I had like the harmonica <laughs> and my mom likes to tell people that I played the harmonica, but that's not true. I just used to blow into the harmonica. So you, you, had, you had a harmonica. <laughs> I had a harmonica um, and in Miami, I think it was like third grade or whatever, we had to learn the recorder. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember that I learned how to play like my heart will go on on the recorder and I was so proud of myself. <laughs> But other than that, that's that's pretty much it with for music. Did you ever aspire to play anything? I mean, is it, no, is it been something but, you ever dreamed of? No, but I always tell people, like, if I could pick any talent in the world, I would choose, like, being a singer. Like, I wish I could sing well, you know? So we ask people if they can learn any instrument instantly without trying, what would it be? Would that be singing? It would be singing. Hmm. If you had to choose an actual instrument, what would it be? Like, if you, if you could learn it with uh, with no effort. Um, maybe the drums. Just oh, yeah. Like a drum know? kit drum. Yeah. Like drumsticks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can start calling her drumstick Andre. <laughs> um, uh, mixtapes, mix CDs. Oh, my gosh, yes. I'm from, like, the, the generation who, like, started, like, with the mixing of, like, the CDs, you know? Like, um... Because, remember, it was, like, Napster, and then after yeah. Napster, it was, like, LimeWire. Uh -huh. um, and I used to make so many mix CDs, like, when I was in, um middle school and high school like one of my things was like getting new music and that was like kind of like I always wanted to have like the newest freshest like music and mostly it was like hip hop and stuff like the mixtapes and like underground stuff but I loved like all kinds of music so it was like a lot of um, alternative rock um, I like those old jams from like when I like in the 80s that my mom would play you know um, so I have I would say like a wide interest and sometimes people would hate like my CDs because I would go from like I don't know like Linkin Park to like an Ella Fitzgerald song. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. have that like ability to, you know, like slow to fast. Like I remember um, even when I was really, really small, um, having like the 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 radio playing and like waiting for that one song so I can hit record like on the cassettes so I can make like my own little mixtapes. Um, so that was, my mom was always really good about getting me like the blank cassette so I can make, could make like my own like little music. So, so. you were there for the end of tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I remember I had like a little, you know, like the little cassette player and I used to play Whitney Houston on it. I used to play like Boys to Men on it. Like that's when I bought my Ace of Bass tape. But the first one I remember buying was like the Ace of Bass, but like all those other musics were definitely on cassettes. Okay. You know what it is time for? Mm. It's time for your first song. Okay. So, uh, tell us what it is. Okay, so um, I was raised, like, with my mom, right? Like, my mom came to the United States from Venezuela when she was pregnant with me. Um, and we lived, like, with her aunt, like with my aunt in Jersey when I was small before she started, like, nannying. But really, it was just, like, her and I. Um, but my mom has, like, a really big family. Like, they're, like, seven brothers and sisters. Um, so that's, like, a whole bunch of cousins and all these things. Um, so it was, like, this really big family that I never really knew that much about. Um, 
Um, so I I went to Venezuela, I think, the first time when I was a teenager, 17 or 18. I went on my own, and it was, like, so surreal for me because, like, when I walked into my grandfather's house, oh, damn it. <laughs> you could do it. So when I walked into my grandfather's house, it was surreal because there were a bunch of baby pictures of me. Wow. Um, and, like, just pictures of me throughout my life. Um, and I think, I don't know, I guess because it was just us two, you forget that there's, like, a whole other world out there that maybe is, like, concerned for your well-being or something. I don't know. And, like, everybody knew about me and, like, all of my mom's different, like, brothers and sisters had, like, different pictures of, like, us from different stages in my life. And it was wild because I remember it was just always her and I. Um, and I always wanted, like, a family really bad. So, like, when I met them, it was like, holy crap, like, these are the people. Like, and they've been paying attention. And they've been paying attention. Because <laughs> uh, when you're really little, um, maybe Richard knows this because he probably has some family in Jamaica that they make you, like, talk to, like, family members oh, yeah. that you've never <laughs> yeah. met before. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's not, probably not just, talk, you know, like a monkey, cultural thing. Talk, talk yeah, to this person like, hey, you've talk never to, met. Yeah, talk to this person you've never met before, you know, like in my broken Spanish, you know what I mean? Um, so it was really wild, like, when I got there, and it was just, like, we clicked, you know? Like, um, they they embraced me, and it was just really awesome. And, and then after that, I tried to go as often as I could. I remember, like, when I came back the first time, I was bawling the entire plane ride back because it was, like, back to just, like, me and my mom. Um, and I remember there was, like, a little old man that was sitting next to me. He's like, it's okay, Miha, like, trying to, like, hold my hand because I was just, like, bawling the whole time. So whatever. So uh, time goes on. I get to go there a lot more, a lot more frequently. Um and I remember I went for, like, my cousin Fabiana's quinces and um, other, you know, family celebrations. And in – I'm, like, getting nervous. I don't know what's wrong with me. Sorry. Normally, like, in big Venezuelan parties, like, there's, like, this thing called, like, an la hora loca, like, the crazy hour. And it's either, like, at the end or, like, in the middle where, like, they turn off all the lights and then they give you, like, all these wacky, like, glasses and, like, fuzzy hats and, like, neon lights. And it's just kind of like a, a funky, like, crazy hour, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so the very last time that I was in Venezuela, I know that I'm doing the Kanye. Kanye uh, You're not even near Kanye <laughs> no, territory yet. Keep on go going. On, go on. Okay. So <laughs> um, the very last time that I went to Venezuela, I think it was – might have been 2016. Um, my grandfather had passed. I wasn't able to go because they were requiring um, they were requiring Americans to go, like to get a visa in order to go to Venezuela. And it was hard because they had closed the consulate, the Venezuelan consulate in Miami. So I had to like go to New Orleans and do all this crazy stuff. So I wasn't able to like go when he was when he was ill. Um, so I was able to go then for for Christmas, like for New Year's, to receive the to receive the New Year with my family, and we did a party um, at my tío Daniel's house, and it was like the most Venezuelan thing because like the lights went out <laughs> like in the <laughs> middle of the party because you know over there the power is unstable and sure. things are just kind of messed up. So, but we still like. The lights didn't fully come back on, but we were able to use the radio and we were able to kind of use this music to play this music. Um, it's called Tambor Venezolano and it's like um, Afro-Venezuelan um, kind of music. It's like folklore very like not traditional, but just kind of very embedded like in the culture. And there's like a very specific dance for it. Um, and I was thinking about like I really wanted to have a song that reminded me of my family because I feel like meeting them was like a not like a rebirth, but kind of like an awareness. Um, beyond like myself, um, so I was thinking like, what song? What song? What song? What song? And then I heard the song. It's from um, Tambor, Uba, um, Tambor Urbano, which is like a Venezuelan group, and it's called Juana Polinaria. And I'm not sure if this was like the exact song that played, but it's a very traditional like they play it usually at parties. And when I heard the song, when I was like going, when I decided to do this, I just burst into tears because it just reminded me of the last time that my family was all together. Um, because um, the political situation there is kind of messed up. So um, that big family of like seven brothers and sisters and all of their kids, um, we're all kind of separated now. <laughs> well, shall we listen to it? Okay, here we go. Now, I know there's a lot going on there, so you can't translate the whole thing. But I tried to pull it up during the thing and try to get the English lyrics so I could follow along. But it, it was not cooperating. So what, what what's going on in that song? Um, It's just... 
they're not necessarily saying kind of there's, there's not, not necess- a story necessarily not necessarily it's just, it's just pure energy <laughs> yes um yeah so i mean you can imagine like with a song like that people are like hyped and they're dancing um it's like a very particular dance like it's not necessarily like samba it's like it's different you know um I don't particularly know how to dance it, you know, so I'm happy that they always have it like towards the end of the night when I've already been drinking so I can like kind of <laughs> attempt to do it. Um, but yeah. How's your family? Um, You know, they're okay. It's just crazy. Like we went from like a, you know, a really big family, like multi-generational having lived in Venezuela, you know, for a really, really long time. And now everyone's separate. Like I have, I have an uncle right now that's living in Colombia. I have an uncle in Guatemala I have an uncle um, well my uncle that lives in Guatemala he 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 he's a softball like an international softball instructor so he's in huh. Guatemala and his family is actually in Argentina so like his wife and like my cousins are in Argentina right now my cousin Chucho is in Argentina right now um, my one of my tias is living over in Spain so we're all really scattered um, my like my tío Alfonsito, he's the only one that's like living still like in my grandfather's house um, with one of my cousins. Um, so it's just, you know, it's just really sad because you can imagine like music like that and just like all these people together. Yeah. Um, you know, even when I went that last time, um, some like we weren't like completely, completely together. Like the like the diaspora had already kind of started. But it was like the last like gathering like where we really were. Um, all together. The rest of my, like, I have a deal now that lives in Orlando, so I get to see him um, more frequently, but um, and I have, like, I call them my tío primos because <laughs> they're, like, the same age as, like, my youngest uncle, Daniel. So they're my cousins, but they're older. So I call them, like, it's like a conjugation of, like, cousin and um, uncle. So tío primos. Understood. <laughs> yeah. um, did everybody disperse because of what's going on in Venezuela? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's it's not indifferent than, like, us, like, when things kind of get, like, messed up or, like, they start impounding on, like, impeding upon your... Um, your rights little by little, you're like, okay, well, they're taking this, but at least I have that. Or they're taking this, but I have this. And it's just kind of like gets, but it's it's almost kind of like a ring around your neck where they just keep like pulling and pulling and pulling until you're just, as, you know, asphyxiated. You can't breathe anymore. So I, that last time that I went to Venezuela, um, it's very typical, like when you go to somebody's house, like to do like a big barbecue. Um, and I remember, oh God, my poor uncles, I remember that they were trying to do the barbecue when I got there and they couldn't find any meat. And it's like, I guess we kind of had like a little bit of a taste of that, like when coronavirus like first started, like going to the store and not being able to get uh-huh. what you wanted instead uh-huh. of having to get something else. Uh-huh. But um, there was no meat. Like you would go to all the stores, there was no meat. Um, and then I remember on the last day, like before my mom and I left, they were able to find like ground beef to make like burgers, but they couldn't find bread, like <laughs> the rolls for the burgers. Wow. And that's how it was all those years ago. And it was surreal for me like to go into the stores and just... You just go to the supermarket and you just simply don't see shit. You know what I mean? Like there's just no water or there's just no eggs or there's just no, you know what I mean? It was very, very weird. And that wasn't even like before things got really bad. So because of like that reason, like a lot of my, you know, my uncles, they have small kids or, you know, or they want to have like a better life. So they've kind of like all dispersed. Hmm. But the the house is still in the family. And that's another thing too. Like my deal, he's kind of like. If he were to, like, abandon, like, my grandfather's house, like, the government's just going to come take it over. Right. And I feel like out of everyone, he's, like, the one who's, like, the most optimistic that maybe one day things will be okay. And he wants, like, to have a place for our family to go back to. Understood. Well, so, what's your grandpa's name? Um, his name is Alfonso. Well, his name was Alfonso. It still is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay. You, you alluded to not being a dancer unless you had a few drinks. For that, for tambor venezolano, I can't. Like, what about normal dancing back I, here in, in your real life? <laughs> I can do dancing. I can dance a little, you know. I, I'm better now. My mom, like when we first moved to Miami, my mom used to be like, you're so tiesa. Like, you're so stiff. Like, come on, girl. Like, you know. And now I can I can dance like basic salsa. Or bachata or, like, merengue is super easy because it's, like, a two-step, you know? Um, um, so, yeah, like, I, I dance more now, um, especially, like, when I started, like, going out-out. It was mostly, like, dance hall and stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I, you know. <laughs> okay, so you would, if you could learn an instrument, it would be to sing, so you don't think you can sing, but will you karaoke sing? 
I do karaoke sing, but under very specific conditions. <laughs> <laughs> Which are? So, um, like, in New York, they have, like, you know, like, in Koreatown, they have, like, rooms, right? You can rent a room right. with your friends You're and do karaoke. You're not in public, day. per se. Oh, hell no. I would never subject the public <laughs> to that. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, this is, like, a soapbox thing for me. I, I think that that kind of karaoke place, like, that's in Japan as well. Like, that's, that's the original version. I think that that's what karaoke should be because... If you go into a bar with like 60 people, it's going to be like 10 people taking turns. So you cannot go up because you don't want to embarrass yourself. But if you're in a room with like six friends and you've rented the room for like two hours, everybody's going to have to sit. Like you you, mm-hmm. you can't sit on the couch for two hours watching your friend sing and not go up right. because they're all going to be mad. So then you just do it and it's more fun and it's with people who even if you make fun of each other it's going to be funny and fun and you get to eat if if anybody's kind of drunk and singing their guts out it's only it's only more fun not annoying Right exactly yeah <laughs> Okay good complicated answer I love it Um uh, uh what was the last concert you saw before you know March 15th when we stopped going out I haven't been to a concert I think the last concert that I went to was with like my best friend Natalie, and we went to go see J. Cole at the AAA, um, and I think that was maybe 2018. So I haven't. That was the last concert, like actual like concert, like at a venue that I went to. I'm trying to think. Have I seen somebody else since then? No. But I, I the most recent live performance that I saw was at Nice Guys. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Broken Waves. <laughs> ah, so so um so you so you saw their show there before March 15th. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like probably before then. But that was the last time I caught like a live music act. Gotcha. Um, do you see a lot of concerts? Do you have a peak concert that you can reflect, like something that pops into your head? Okay, I'm super lame. Like, we didn't really have, like, the means to go, like, to performances or go, you know, catch, like, live sporting events or whatever when I was small. So the first concert that I went to, never forget, my first concert was Aventura. Oh, my God, I love Aventura. It's like a a, it's like a, a bachata band. Um and they're really dope because they're like the first or like the first like mainstream that did like kind of like Spanglish. So they were able to like bridge the gap between like, you know, the traditional music and like make it like a little bit more relevant. So that was my very first concert. My first concert was an Aventura concert. And how, how old were you? I, I was probably like 17 or 18. <laughs> I mean, about the tickets like with my own money, you know. Right. Um, yeah. What about going to see um, like shows, you know, like like a play or a musical or anything like that? Have you done much of that? Mm-hmm. Like as much as as much as like I as much as I can, I really enjoy the theater. Um, Remember Hunchback? Yes! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so glad so I get to bring awesome. it up. <laughs> yes, I think that was the last like musical that I saw. But I did. I have seen some stuff like after that. Um, oh my god! I love that that performance. You like I like I was kind of like well I know his daughter's in it but so we'll see you know yeah, but I don't normally evangelize but that one I guacamole that performance bunch of sick fifteen sixteen and seventeen year olds wow. and it was just I, I remember I actually because I don't post things on Facebook and try to get people to do stuff but I I posted something like for the final night that it needs to sell out because every empty seat will be a tragedy I thought that was pretty writerly oh no but I mean but I remember I saw that I cried I cried in the audience and then I had like the hunched the the hunchback of Notre Dame like songs like stuck in my head for like a week after it was so good. I regret that I didn't see. I wanted to see it again, and that's kind of like one of like one of my one of my regrets because I enjoyed it so much. You know, it's so so crazy, and, and um, I could like if I had to be in an, a movie and I had to cry, like right now I could cry by going to the end with a little kid when he little the little kid walked oh up my and put gosh. his hand on his face. Yes. And, ah! <laughs> It was so good. Oh, my God. That was such a great production. Yes. Holy Okay, yeah. we've, we've digressed enough. Um, um, so uh, journalism, when did you, did you, do you remember your first interview? Let's just start with that. Um, Not like first idea, like first, first time you talked to somebody for a, a reason. Actually, you know, it's funny you say that because I saw in, um, on fa- like a Facebook memory a couple of days ago, I think like the first interview that I did was like 10 years ago because I saw it um, that I was like, oh, your girl just did her first interview or something like that. Who was like, that for? Um, I don't. It didn't say. I don't remember because I was. It just like popped up like as a memory. I just put like Andrea Perdomo just completed her first. Would it interview. have been an interview with a microphone in somebody's uh, face? Is, think, has it always been radio? No, no. It was definitely probably just like in person and me taking notes. 
Okay. And that's probably what it was. Did you do like school paper or something like that? Like where, um, where did you get your first uh, So place? I I started writing when I was really small. I remember what inspired me was like, I don't know if you guys remember that Nickelodeon movie, Harriet the Spy. I remember the book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she goes around just kind of like being like chismosa or like being like nosy and writing just stuff in her notebook, right? I love she, that book. <laughs> so she writes about everybody or whatever. And then like her notes, like her record of things, right, ends up helping to solve a crime. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, that's so cool. So then I started keeping notebooks. I have – if you go to my mom's house, there's notebooks that like I've like – took out like the back and like taped them together because it's like so long and it's like the volume like what is it my life volume one volume two volume three wow, and like all handwritten notebooks i pencil you know what's or in pen? pencil but the first one you know the very first one that i did i think it was like maybe in third or fourth grade and i used to tape things into them i taped the blue m&m in there do you remember like blue m&ms weren't always a I thing i do remember that <laughs> Many people out there don't know that blue M&Ms were not a part of the original <laughs> color scheme for M&Ms. And I taped the freaking M&M into the page. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I've been keeping records of that. But I, I, I guess I kind of always knew that I wanted to be a journalist. But I, I started working um, full time as soon as I could to help out my mom. So I didn't really get to do like extracurricular activities and stuff. I remember like my first job was at BK. and Burger King? I, yeah. And I would I I didn't have a car, so I'd have to walk. So I would get out of school at two thirty, walk my ass home, change, and then walk to work. I worked from four to twelve, and then I have to walk my ass back mm. home, and then I would have to, you know, go to school. And I, I'm just like, how the hell did I even do my homework? You know, like yeah. it was um, it was pretty wild. So I worked a lot, so I didn't really have time for extracurricular activities. But when I went to Miami Dade um, College over on the East Coast, um, I did dabble a little bit with the with the student newspaper. Um, but it was hard because I had like two jobs. I had two jobs. I had school because at the time I was paying I was paying for all my classes like out of pocket. So it was just really, really weird. And I was able to do stories here and there. And then there was like this weird – I was part of my first – that was my first experience with like a merge of newspapers because Miami-Dade College has like, a, like maybe like four or five different campuses and they each had their own independent newspapers. Mm-hmm. And I think like my second semester with the paper, they all consolidated into one. Um so it was, it was a strange time, like a weird like power grab. And it was like this whole thing. And like since I wasn't really there, I would only go to the news meetings. I would take my lunch break, go to the news meetings like once a week. They were kind of like they didn't know who my loyalties were. There was a lot of politics. <laughs> it was like so weird. They're like, oh, you know, we know you were cool with the old editor in chief, but the new editor in chief. I'm like, I don't care. Just give me an yeah, assignment. I wanna, like, I just want to report on something. I was like, guys, I'm part of the real world. You know what I mean? Like, I have a job to go to. Like, I want to do this, but th- th- I'm not like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was it was wild. Um, but so that was like probably when I was doing my first, my first like that was like my first experience, and then I. I wrote for um, FIU where I ended up graduating from. But um, I got into radio. I did a brief stint um, at City College of New York um, as part of the the CUNY system um, in New York City. Um, and that's kind of when I got into radio. Um, Andrea Bernstein, she works at WNYC. She does the Trump Inc. podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, she was actually my teacher. Wow. <laughs> she was my teacher, and she gave us as an assignment to listen to Serial, the first season of Serial, the one, um, oh my God, what is his name? Adnan Zayad or something. Um, it was about this, this uh, crime that took place in Baltimore a long time ago, and, like, he was arrested for, like, the murder of, like, his girlfriend or somebody he used to date, and it was just kind of, like, going through, like, did he really do it or not, like, looking into the investigation of that. Um, so that was like the first piece of audio that I ever binged because we were supposed to do it like one, sorry, like one, um, one episode like per week or whatever. And I just like sat in the, I remember sitting in the dark, like in my room in New York and just like binging the whole freaking thing. And that's like when I realized like I, I would like to tell, like, not that I would, but that's when I started. That's when I got exposed to, like, audio storytelling. Like, I wasn't, yeah. like, an NPR backseat baby. My mom didn't You weren't drive. a multi-award-winning uh, <laughs> uh, reporter yet. No. <laughs> no, but if I hadn't taken her class, I would have never been exposed to radio. That's, like, that's when yeah, I got my yeah, exposure yeah. to, like, um, to audio storytelling. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it's time for your second song. But I, my first job was McDonald's, so cheers Yes, fast food. Fast food for the win. <laughs> um, okay, your second song is... Uh, uh, sweet disposition. Mm-hmm. Is that okay, um, um, who is it, and, and tell, what do you want to do? You want to play it? You want to talk about it? Um, 
Okay, I think I'll, I'll describe this one first. This one I'm not going to cry, so this is, is going to be smooth sailing from here on out. <laughs> um, so um, I just mentioned that I think it's perfect that we're going into this song because I mentioned I lived in New York for a little while. And, like, going to New York was, like, my dream. Like, that was, like, the thing that I wanted to do. And um, I remember that I was like, I'm working hard because I was working like three jobs, like three, four jobs. I was like, I can't keep doing this. It's not sustainable. I'm like, I need to work smarter, not harder. So then I got like my bartending license and then I started making like money and I was stacking money so I can move to New York. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and it was like a lifelong dream. Even like when I look back at like my yearbook, I see people are like, I hope you make it to New York. Like mm-hmm. I was like that that kid. Um, so I... My uncle, my uncle Eduardo, the one that lives in Guatemala now, he was like, so you're not going to school, so you can go to school in New York, so you're saving up money. He's like, how long is that going to take you? And he, like, helped me out. Um, he gave, you know, he lent me some money so I could so I could actually go. And it was, like, a crazy moment for me because, honestly, it was always just my mom and I. So if I ever wanted something, if I ever wanted, like, those kicks, I had to go work to go get them. Or if I wanted, like, to go to prom, I had to work to go. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was, like, the first time that, like, I got, like, help from someone, mm-hmm. like, you know, other than my mom, my mom's, you know, shout out to my mom, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? So it was like, it was crazy. Cause like, I remember like after he told me he was going to help me out, I remember just sitting like in the shower, like crying. Cause it was like, oh my God, this is like going to happen. So this song, Sweet Disposition, um, it's like, I can hear that song and close my eyes. And I just picture like being in New York, riding the train, you know, like it doesn't matter where I am. I could hear it anywhere. And I'm just like, damn, I get that feeling of like being in being in the city, having my headphones on, like going from place to place and just like the song playing in the background. And it's just kind of like, my, oh, my God, like I actually like I did it. Like this is something I always wanted to do. And like it's happening now. So, yeah. So that's what I hear whenever I listen to this song. What kind of device would you have been playing that off of at that time? Oh, probably off of my phone. OK. So we went from the cassette tapes <laughs> to music on the phone. All right. Uh, this is Sweet Disposition by The Temper Trap, right? Yes. Uh, it's title track to their 2008 album of the same name. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Had you been to New York before you went to New York? Um, yeah, because so I was born in New Jersey, and I remember that my mom had like this really good friend that um, she had, like, they lived in upstate New York, and we have to go through there or, like, Back back in the day, like if my theos came and they would buy like I don't know why I remember this, but like they would buy like Levi's and stuff, and mm-hmm. I remember to go back and like sell in Venezuela. Yeah, that's, that's and international <laughs> currency right there. <laughs> um, so I remember that we used to go like when I was really small. Um, you know, like I had been going, you know, in and out probably for for the majority of my life, but it was really cool to like actually like live there. You know, what was that first day like when you you know fl- did, you, did you drive? Did you fly? Uh, no, I flew. I flew. I only took like one suitcase. <laughs> So what was it like getting off the plane, walking through the terminal, walking out onto the street, smelling it, hearing it? Oh, my God. It was awesome. Like when I got when I bought my ticket, it was like the first ever ticket that I had to New York that was one way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I remember just sitting there being like, man, this is like this is it. Um, Funny New York story. I think it was like my second or third day there. I I worked at a restaurant in um, bartending in the restaurants called Novecento. They have. Um, a location in Brigo, which is where I worked, but I transferred to the to the Soho location. So that's where I was working. Um, and I remember I was like, man, I don't have anywhere to put like my underwear and my socks. So I'm like, let me just go find a Target, right? Find a Target. And when I get off the train, it was the Puerto Rican Day Parade. Okay. <laughs> so I I did not know this. You know, I didn't know this. And I was like, what am I going to do? I'm like, I'm already here. Let me just go. So I'm walking through the crowds and then I'm asking the... Um, I'm asking like a cop. I'm like, hey, is the target down this road? I think it was like, I think we, I was somewhere in Harlem. And the cop was like, yeah. He's like, it's down this way. He's like, but if I were you, I put my phone away. And I was like, why? You know? <laughs> and he's like, what the f- this idiot girl? He's like, just go. So I go and then I buy like the biggest plastic container thinking that I have my car. <laughs> right? <laughs> so I buy like a three drawer, like big plastic like thing. And then I'm like, okay. And then it doesn't occur to me. So I'm putting it in the bags. Like, what the f- am I going to do? So I break it into three pieces, put it in three separate bags and head back out into the crowd. Right. Right. So I'm holding like these bags and there's this just all this chaos. I think I heard like some gunshots and people were like running and I'm like with my three bags <laughs> trying Your to Your storage run. containers. Jesus. And then I'm like, I go, I finally make it to the train. And then the train was delayed like 40 minutes. 
So the train finally comes. I get on the train. <laughs> um, we go up a couple stops, and then they're like, oh, we cannot continue, whatever. So everyone needs to, like, either go back down or reroute or whatever. So when everyone's, like, getting out, like, I bump somebody. Like, like I have the bags, you know, and we're all, like, trying to squish out of the thing. And I remember somebody's like, hey, watch where you're going, you bitch, or whatever, right? And then I'm just like... At this point, I started cracking up. I think I think I scared the lady because I think she was like, or the guy. She thought you were you a know, psycho. Off, yeah, yeah, off your rocker. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, there's no way that all of this has happened to one person like in one day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I had I had gotten out of work. I remember I worked the brunch shift, so I got out of work like at three. I didn't end up getting home until almost ten thirty at night <laughs> through all of that crap. And then I remember like getting home, putting the bags on, and being like, "That's my first full day in New York." Like super <laughs> excited. I don't know, but um, it was. It was wild but that was like my that was like my first like that was like my second or third day while i was there <laughs> how long were you there and all um like about a year yeah mm-hmm. have you been back i went back one time since um i w- i would really like to go back and like hang out because it was really cool my experience was amazing because like the people that i worked with at the restaurant they had all been working in that restaurant for like 10 plus years so they were friends with all the other rest like all the other workers at all the other restaurants so we would go to like cipriani and soho and like go get bellinis and like desserts and then like um felix um is like a like a, it's been there for a long time they used to send over desserts and like you know what I mean like we all used to hang out so my experience was like amazing like I had a really really great time with all of my co-workers <laughs> hmm. um, did you get to see any music while you were there that you remember I went to I would go to shows all the time and it was perfect I, it's weird how like at first it's because it was the first time that I was ever like away from my mom and away from like everything that I knew so at first it was like a little weird actually when I got there, it was the World Cup for 2014, so I worked that whole month straight. So then suddenly it was over, and I had, like, three days off in a row. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I had, like, this massive anxiety attack. But after that, I was like, this is awesome. I can go to the theater and just buy one ticket, yeah. and I can watch whatever f- show I want. I don't have to ask anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and I can go to the bathroom when I want, and I can eat whatever Total I want. Total autonomy. <laughs> yes! <laughs> so it was awesome. I think the first show that I saw was, like, a Broadway product, an off-Broadway production of, uh, it was, like, a Tupac show. It was called Can You Hear Me? Holler if you hear me. And it was so dope. Like, that was, like, one of the first things um, that I saw, I remember, when I got there. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember the last time you bought music that had a physical form? The last last thing that I can remember, like, actively, like, really trying to purchase... uh, there's this rap group that they're based out of like they're from Queens it's called Capone Noriega um, and they have like their classic album is like The War Report right um, came out like 97 and like I just kind of grew up always like listening to it and I remember I really wanted the CD um, and I, that was like the last mission that I remember like going through to try to acquire like um, an uh, CD man like I because before we used to have like Sam Goody and like Best Buy I don't know if they still sell CDs or they used to so it was hard they still have the racks but I think they're filled with something else now (laughs) so I remember like going to like Dolphin Mall and like going to like four different places trying to find this goddamn CD and I have it now it's in my car I'm like never taking it out of there (laughs) but it was really hard and I remember that I wanted it because it's, it's such like a classic album and so you still own CDs or just a CD? Oh, I have all the CDs that I used to burn back in the day. They're scratched. Uh-huh. They're scratched. You have, so you've got like big cases with like Sharpie written on silver yes. discs, the whole nine yards. Yeah, yeah. I'm a very like nostalgic person. So I wouldn't, I don't even think I would be able to give them away even if I couldn't play Did the music on them. Did you ever go through, because I have all those too and all kinds of stuff. I went through at one point and got a great big external drive and just spent a whole day sticking it in and ripping it over and sticking it in and ripping it over. I think I'm going to have to do that. But honestly, like there's so like there's a lot of them are like really scratched up. Yeah. That I don't even know if I know yeah. that like the DVD player that's at my mom's house, it'll play most of the CDs. <laughs> yeah. Kids these days don't know about l- just a little bit of grit and sand in your car and suddenly a month later your CDs are all scratched. They have it so easy. <laughs> Do you remember like um, with the first Nintendo they had to like blow in it when it would act up? Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that actually worked or if it was just... It 100% worked. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely did. Man. I remember doing that with Atari cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> See, they'll never know. You know, they just click a button on their phone and they have it right there. They'll never know what we went through. <laughs> well, well, do you know what? Uh, Zoe has a Switch. So uh, I'm sure lots of people listening have a Nintendo Switch. And those are on cartridges. They're tiny little SD cards, but but they're cartridges. <laughs> hmm. um, do you have any um, uh, radio stations on your car that are tuned in to music around here? 
There's one here that I can't remember what it is, and I never save it because, like, I got I had my first car. I had it for like almost like I had it for like ten years, right? So, um, but when I got my new, I got when I that car, you know, I had to get a new car, and then I programmed all the stations the way I wanted to, and then that car had like a huge problem with the compressor, so I had to get a new car. So, like, I've had my car now for like two years, but I still don't trust it to like reprogram. You've been you've been betrayed by your past trust trust issues. Trust issues. You don't want to spend the three minutes it's gonna take. I know. I, I don't know. Like, we we shouldn't even try to analyze it. <laughs> do you ever is, do you ever listen to music in the car and just like scan? Just hit, so hit scan button and see what pops up. So that's the problem. Up? Like, there's a station that I love here in Fort Myers that they play like Spanish music, but I love it because they play like if you go to like Miami, it's like all the, they play like I like I love Mark Anthony. Don't get me wrong, but like they act like he's the only guy who ever made salsa like ever. You know, <laughs> I love him. I love Mark Anthony, but still, you know. So the the station here they play all like the old like Spanish ballads. And all that stuff. I think they're based like in Bonita Springs or something. But um, I love that station. I can't think of it right now. Is it 107 something? I don't know. But you love it so much, you only find it accidentally. It's because I don't. But I don't (laughs) because I either go to like our station or I listen to them like here. Like that's really what I only listen to unless I'm pulling up music on my phone. But really, if I listen to the radio, those are the only two that I listen to here. So if you were a championship wrestler, what song would be your music that you came out to? Um... So, I think the song that I would come out to is like the song um, from like Meek Mill and like Rick Ross. It's like I'm a boss. It's like <laughs> I've been riding through my old hood, but I'm in my new whip. Same old attitude, but I'm on that boat. Like it's just like maybe that's probably what I would. That's probably what I would use. Either that or like hustle hard, like. You know, mama need a house, baby need some shoes, times are getting hard, guess what I'm going to do? Hustle. Hustle. I would say those are two pretty solid answers. Good <laughs> job. Know. But definitely probably the Meek Mill song. <laughs> um, uh, have you ever been exposed to new music that stuck because of public radio or, you know, tiny desk concerts, things like that? Yes. So I would say that I used to be, where, as like I mentioned before, I was like always hunting for like new music. I would say that I've just like stuck to like, this is the music that I've loved my whole life. So it's really hard for me to get into new music. Um, but and then I'm like I'm so lame now because like I find out about new music like through NPR right like um, I think it was like Billie Eilish the, like the last artist that I was like oh my gosh I was like I think I told Rachel I was like hey Rachel you know there was like Billie Eilish was like on um, ter- on Fresh Air or something and I was like did you did you know about her she's like yeah she's been on for like years I was like, oh. oh okay the cool people have known about her since 2014 <laughs> yeah but I'm officially like that person now I, it's hard for me to get into like new music do you ever be exposed to new music from frontline not frontline not yet <laughs> i haven't gotten there yet. i got that right though right that's one of your binge things i love i do like frontline fridays <laughs> <laughs> where i binge like frontline documentaries on fridays <laughs> <laughs> there you go okay um uh it's time for your third song third this song. is a this is a pop smash hit <laughs> so it was the you know it's it was hard because like i feel like i love so many different kinds of music um and it was hard to pin it down to just like three songs with very specific memories right because like i like i remember like in middle school like we thought we were so cool because like my like my really good friend soma her cousins were in high school and they would used to come pick us up when we were in middle school and it was like 2001 so like dr dre had just dropped like the chronic 2001 and her cousin mito had like this black millennia and, like, he had the bass and all this stuff, and he used to come pick us up. And, like, we used to listen to, like, The Chronic. And I was like, man, we're so f-ing cool, you know? So I was like, damn, there's, like, that era. And then there's, like, the mixtape era. Like, me and my friend Kimmy would, like, be hunting for, like, DJ Clue and, like, Funk Flex and, like, DJ Woo Kid, like, trying to have, like, the hottest shit, Like, and I was like, but there's so many. Or, like, songs that, like, we've, like, partied to, like, since the beginning, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just, like, it, I can't pin it to, like, a one, like, a one-moment thing. But um, so it was hard. It was hard to like pin it down to just like one song. But when I text my friend, I'm like, think about like a memory of like, do you have a song that has like a specific memory with me? And she was like, like two of my friends like <laughs> said this song. Um, so I was like, yeah, it's probably this is probably going to have to be it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, do you want to play it now? Okay, well, I will just say that this is a song that um, mostly started off, like, after, like, nights of us, like, going out partying and then, like, heading home. Like, after you go to Denny's and then, like, going home, it would be, like, me and my friend Kendra just, like, singing it, like, with the windows down, like, 
screaming it at the top of our lungs, like putting it on repeat all the way home. <laughs> um, and we used to do that a lot. Like in other friends too, on the way back home, we'd be like, oh, you want to play wrecking ball? Like it was like our guilty like pleasure. And then finally, like I graduated a little bit later than probably than like most, you know, I graduated like in 2017. And we got to do that really cool karaoke thing, like in a, get a room. And then we're just like, let's play, you know, let's play Wrecking Ball from Miley Cyrus. And then we're just like belting it. And it's just kind of like awesome. Like that's like the most, like that's like me and my friends, like not giving a shit about anything or being cool or whatever. We're just like all just so emotionally invested in this song and just belting it out. So. Well, let's do this. This is Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus from her 2013 album. I can't wait to say this. Bangers. I'm not a Miley fan. I think I should make that clear. This is a one-time thing. Before we started the episode, you showed me a video on your phone. Yes. Can you tell can tell the audience what I what, what I saw, what I witnessed? <laughs> so kind of like what I was leading up to the mem- that specific memory with the song, like at my graduation and us kind of like singing in the room. It's like at 1-800-LUCKY in Miami that they have like, they only have one room. So it's like you kind of got to get in there and like get your time. sponsored by 1-800-LUCKY. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the video that I showed Richard, because my friends, I'm not like a very like social media like kind of like person. I don't really take selfies. I don't really post. Like, I feel like in that way, I was maybe born, like, in the wrong generation. I hate touchscreen stuff. Um, but um, but my friend, she's very big, like, at the time, she's very big, like, on snapping. Like, she would snap everything that we were doing. But I'm happy that she did that because, like, if not, I wouldn't have this awesome memory. Is that Snapchat? <laughs> is that what the snap is? Is that what snap is? <laughs> <laughs> so when, so she, when I was asking her, like, what songs, like, does she have a memory with, she sent me, like, that video. And it's just, like, it's me, like, it's the Curly Hair Committee, which is, like, me, Kendra, and Cassie, <laughs> and Nat. And then, oh, my gosh, like, one of my best friends, Caro, and she came for my graduation. So it's just like all like us, just girls in the room screaming the song, like belting it out and just like headbanging <laughs> and, um, you know, just enjoying our time. It's crazy because I was like listening to lyrics. I'm like, this is like a really sad, like, you know, it's like a breakup like song. I don't think of like a specific person like when I hear it. It's just kind of like all those emotions of just just, you know, just emotional distress that you could just share with your friends. And it's just like, yeah, but we're having a good time. I don't know. It's something weird and yeah. like paradoxy about it um i don't know but so yeah so that's the video of us just screaming at the top of our lungs sweaty messes any um, chance we could use that as adjacent content yeah i told tara I, I think i sent it to her and i was like i think maybe you could use this um i'm not gonna tell them that i'm gonna <laughs> she, sent, <laughs> she sent me the video right and she put it on snap so technically she wanted people to see it um <laughs> yeah yeah so, so if you're hearing this uh swing over to our facebook page <laughs> and see uh, the video of andrea yeah, a bunch of a bunch of drunk girls having a good time. You know, and you just mentioned how it's it's like a sad, it's like a breakup song. I that's the first time I ever listened to it. I was aware of it. You know, it became such a thing in the video and everything. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was a thing, but it was, it's kind of a nice song, especially there at the end. Yeah, and I'm not like a poppy, <laughs> and I'm not like a pop music person. You know, and I'm not like, and no offense to Miley Cyrus and Miley Cyrus fans, but like I'm not. You know what I mean? It's not a. It's not, I don't follow her music. I don't, you know what I mean? It's yeah, just, did you spend much time with Hannah Montana? As a, no. You might have been a little too old for that. I was too old for Hannah Montana, and we didn't have cable. So uh-huh. even if she, she would have been around my time, I probably wouldn't have been exposed I to saw her. a lot of Hannah Montana because of Gwen. Oh. Like, I know a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Carly, I know I, Carly, way too good. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) It's true. Spencer, I love him. He's so good. Um, uh, Okay, we skipped. I usually do this in the middle, but we're going to do it now. Um, TV theme songs committed to memory that you'll sing for us and or with us. Okay, um, it's going to have to be... I tried really hard to remember all the words like Captain Planet because that was the one that I wanted to sing, but the one that I know... Wait, yeah, hold on. I'm going to put you on blast. No, no. I went into the newsroom (laughs) and I caught Andrea practicing... Oh, the, the 
Captain Planet theme song. Practicing. Because she wanted to do it. You can pull didn't... up the lyrics on your phone to cheat. <laughs> no. No? No, because no. she knows one already. I told her that if Because I know you guys do this because I've heard the podcast before. So I was like, which one, which one? And I told myself I was going to listen to like the Captain Planet like theme song like all weekend so I could like commit the whole thing. Wow, it's like doing homework. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the one that you really do know? Let's go with the 90s classic... Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, have we had that one? Uh, yeah, we have. Sorry. No, that's okay. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna not make the mistake I made, but last not the time, not the extended and one. I'm not gonna do the extended one because nobody knows the middle of it, even though it's great. <laughs> so we're gonna. I remember the last time I well, not the last time, but I remember singing this song like in some some Miami summer and like singing it, and like I was walking down the street and then there was like a cloud of gnats. <laughs> So while I was like singing the song, I just got like a mouthful of gnats. I'm like, okay, sing that song. That's a song story for the theme song. Okay, uh, here we go. Uh, Left-handed mouse. Click. This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I like to take a minute, just sit right there, tell you how I became a prince of a town called Bel Air. What? There you go. Hey. 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 He's putting paint on his armpits. West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground, is where I spend most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood, I got in one little fight, and my mom got scared and said, "You're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air." <laughs> Or a cab, and when it came near, the license price said fresh on the dice in the mirror. If anything, I could say that this cab was weird, but I thought, man, forget it. Your home's to Bel Air. Pulled up to house around 7 or 8, and I yelled to the cabbie, Your home, smell you later. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> Perfect. You know, that might be one of the best TV theme songs. Like, it's like a throwback, but it's not. It's like it tells the story. It sets it up. It's artistic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I actually heard like a new like a new song. Again, I don't really listen to new music, but there's like this guy, Joyner Lucas, and he did a song called Will. Like, it's about Will Smith. Um, so it's a song called Will, and it's with Will Smith. And then Will Smith did a remix and where he like talk like he raps on it and i was like man this is so like so cool cuz like it, will smith doesn't like, really get a lot like he gets a lot of slack like in the hip hop world cuz he doesn't really curse so they think he's like kind of square or whatever but i was like damn he has skills like he does really have like he's a good rapper so it reminded me of that when he i was telling people um maybe maybe about 6 months ago or so he was like pushing on youtube a lot like he had a lot of he was making a lot of content and um, one of the videos was this, um, it was him and uh, Jazzy Jeff, um, and they were doing, they were just doing a song, and man, it it was, you know, we talk about music time travel a lot, and it was like uh, an early 90s Will Smith track, like it sounded just like his old music, and it was really good. Yeah, like, they, I don't know, they get together, and it's just like, boom, you know, magic. Um, do you have a favorite band? <laughs> Something you'll always return to first. Or not first, but you know. Um, I would say... Uh, or more musician. Doesn't have to be like a... So I, I do play like a lot of things like over and over and over. Like um, I would probably say like maybe if I had to pick like band, it probably would be Aventura. Like that that um, that bachata band that I was telling you guys about earlier. Because I love like all of their albums and I can just play all of them over and over again. They kind of broke up. Like the lead singer went um, solo. Um, but I still like I, I really love all of their music like it's I don't know it's like it takes me back to like when I was younger and growing up but also I can still listen to it now like cleaning on a Saturday like I would probably um, maybe go for, go with that what would be um, you know, the most recent thing that you came across that you then repeatedly listened to something that got your attention enough that you did sort of you know burn yourself out on it for a while okay so I my mom will tell you this if I like a song I will play it over and over and over and over and over and over and over like on repeat for maybe months. So um, the recently the song that I did that with was it's kind of like a it's not new because I, I came across it, but I saw that it came out like in maybe 2016 or 17 or something like that. It's it's an old song from this um, Mexican band called Mana, and the song is called De Pieza Cabeza. Um, and then they did a like a reggaeton remix with like Nicky Jam. 
Um, and that song, I think I played like I even played it for for Tara. <laughs> I was like, you have to hear this song, so I played that song. I think that's a song that I can think of like most recently that I played like over and over and over and over and over that I hadn't like been aware of before. So, what would your fourteen year old self in Miami think of the who you are today, especially in light of you learning about new music secondhand through public radio, which is where you work? Um, first, I think she would be like, "What the hell is public radio?" <laughs> right? Um, but I think she. I think it, if she knew what I was doing now, I think she would feel a lot like just okay. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of you don't know how things are going to turn out. And you know what I mean? Um, especially when I was like 14. I was like a depressive like teenager. Like when I listen back to like all the music, like the, the CDs that I was like playing, I was like, man, I was going through some shit. I don't even know what the hell was going on. So I think um, it, she would be like, damn, okay, we, you know, we were all right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so... But in terms of the music, I think she would think I was lame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, she would be proud of the. I alluded to this earlier. How many Murrows did you win? I want to get that out there on the on the three song uh, stories record. So um, so many you have to think about it. No, the the, the <laughs> station one, four, and three of them were things that I've that I've or, as were things that I produced. And that's a really big deal, people who are listening. Yeah. Um, okay, we're pretty much at the end. Uh, recommend three people for us to pursue as guests. Um. Let's see. Um, so definitely I would, um, the big homie, which is not a big homie because she's a little homie because she's like 5'3". <laughs> my friend, um, young Nat, Natalie Malta. She's my bestest, my bestest friend. Um, I would probably recommend her. Um, I would recommend my boyfriend, Eric Hernandez. He's from L.A., so he has like a different like musical take than me. Um I would love for my mom to do it, but I know she wouldn't. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Well, we could try. Yeah, I think I'll... We've I, had at least one parent who the guest well, said Seth, would never yeah, happen, Seth and Ford then they said, did it. Seth so you Ford never know. said his dad would not do it, and uh, Larry was great. Yeah. So yeah. you can at least ask her. And she's going to listen to this, so she's going to hear me talking about how she might do it. And my mom likes you, too. She's like, oh, who's going to... Can't the one in Mike Canary? I'm like, yes, mom, is going to be Mike Canary. Mom's like me. Um, <laughs> it's true. Um, okay, uh, any songs you'll avoid listening to for some reason? Oh, songs that I avoid listening to. Oh, my God. Um, oh, my God, there's so many. Um, oh my god, I just had it and it went away. What's a song that I really freaking hate? Oh my god, the song that I absolutely, completely loathe, like from the core of my being. It's like Drake on his album, Take Care, he did like a remake of the song, like, it's called Practice. And it's like a remake of like this juvenile song, like this um, from back in the day. It was like, girl, you look good, won't you back that ass up, right? And then that club, that song is like a banger. And then he tried to do like a slow version of it. And when I, because I can listen to the whole album through, but every time it comes to that song, I'm like, sweet, no. Like, you know what I mean? And then I have to, like, I, sorry, oh, but I have okay. to change it. I hate that song. God, I hate that song. And another song that I really hate is from J. Cole. And I love J. Cole, but he did like, he had to do like a poppy, like kind of song. And he did um, Work It. You know, gonna work out for me. It's like I hate that. Oh my god, I hate that song. But whatever. So yeah, those are the two that like I I ugh, ugh. makes you throw Thank up you a little for bit. Answering in my... that passion or that that question with passion. <laughs> Most people are like I can't hate on anything. Anyway. No. Um, well, thank you, Andrea. That's it. We did it. You did it. Oh. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for uh, talking to us and opening up. And thank you for being a, a great coworker. It's uh, it's been good working with you and getting to know you these past couple of years. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm sorry. You know, I I, I don't know why. I, I was so nervous for this. I'm still like sweating. Yeah. <laughs> well, great. You did great. Oh, All right. Well, thank you. I'm happy that you guys asked me. I've been. It's funny because you guys. I'm like, if they ever were to ask me, I I I'm like having trying to have like a running list of like what songs I would put. But then when you finally asked me, I wasn't expecting that day, and I was like, where was the list? I think it's in my office. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I had to like start from scratch. And we didn't give you much time, so thanks for pulling it together. Thank you, thank you guys for having me. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and periodic host. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio up in St. Pete. Oh, the time 
For this week's parting tune, we're going back to Friday, May 25th, when we recorded our first episode in the studio since mid-March with Chad Evers. He had picked his songs way back in January, but because of some schedule conflicts and then a pandemic, we kept rescheduling with him. He reflected on how, as he put it, the whole world has changed since I picked this song. My initial thoughts were about climate change and the environment and the world that my students are graduating into. He talked about how he encourages his students to be activists in shaping the world that they want. And that the times actually had changed since he picked it in January because of COVID-19. We said, you know, who knew everything could change so quickly? Well, just three days after that recording, another recording was made in Minneapolis, which has kicked off a global movement, and it feels like maybe everything's changing again, pretty much certainly. And I, for one, remain hopeful that young people will continue to lead this movement and succeed in shaping the world that they want, because I believe it's a world worth wanting. Keep listening. It's a tambourine. I'm going to get mine. Those guys don't know how to shake it. Next time on Three Song Stories. Uh, tell Mike uh, that if I have a tendency to wander off yeah. down some kind of side street that he wants to reel me back in, I'm not sensitive about that.